Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bully. Our gospel reading this morning 
comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 21st chapter. Speaking of Jesus and his disciples, some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they ask, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they're about to take place? He replied, watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, don't be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the early days after Jesus returned to heaven to be with our Father, the disciples waited. They waited and waited for another ten days praying and studying scripture, which at that time was what we call the Old Testament. No one saw a need to write down anything new because everyone expected Jesus to return shortly. Oh yes, the disciples had been told to remain in Jerusalem until power was given to them by the Holy Spirit. But they all thought this would be temporary. Jesus would soon be back. So everyone thought. The 120 followers of Jesus waited, led by the 11 remaining disciples, who soon added Matthias to their number and to return to the perfect 12. Pentecost came, and with that day came the great moving of the Holy Spirit. The little band expanded greatly. That day, 3,000 people were baptized and became followers of Jesus, and the movement grew expecting the return of Jesus sometime in the coming months. But Jesus did not return, and people began to die, or, as the Apostle Paul wrote, they fell asleep. And so, beginning with Paul's letter to the Galatian church, which was written about ten years after Jesus returned to heaven, a set of instructions for the new believers were written down by Paul and Peter, 
by James and Jude and John and the unknown writer of Hebrews, maybe, maybe Apollos or Barnabas. And still Jesus stayed away. And so eventually Peter narrated his memoirs of Jesus to Mark. And then Matthew added to those memoirs with a theological background from the Old Testament. And then Paul's traveling companion Luke interviewed Mary and the, uh, and the core disciples and wrote a comprehensive account of Jesus' life. And then finally, John filled in the gaps with his well-written gospel from the point of view of being his best friend. These needed to be written because the eyewitnesses were dying and the new believers, the new followers of Christ, had to understand the great events of Jesus' life and ministry. And so the New Testament was born. And Paul and John and Peter remembered that Jesus had specifically told them that they would not know the time of Jesus' return. He even said, only the Father knows. There was no way to find out how much time was remaining. But there was an urgency. For people were dying each day. There still is an urgency today. There was a core message, though, that went back to the prophet Malachi over 400 years earlier and even before a message of trouble for those who are arrogant and self-centered and a message of hope for those who will follow God and Jesus. Malachi wrote, Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be like stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Is it like a field that was about to be burnt after the harvest? Not a root or branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves, it's talking about calves just let out of the barn after a cold, dreary winter. Even as far back as Isaiah 65, there was this great promise from God. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. This was what was remembered by those followers of Jesus. It was remembered as they studied the old scriptures and they wrote the new scriptures for a new people. A people who were living new lives touched by God and filled with the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It was a set of new scriptures for people who would be around centuries later like us. And so one of the greatest Christian virtues that mature Christians strive for is endurance. Even Paul wrote that the spiritual race he ran was not a sprint, but a marathon race, a lifelong quest to be more like Jesus with every passing day. Paul wrote that we should indeed strive to become Christians in the truest sense of the word, little Christs in thought, word, and action.
And gradually, the idea settled in among the Christian leadership that the patience of Christ takes time to develop. After all, Jesus had been around since the beginning, not just 30 years, but he had been around since the beginning of the universe, or before even. Patience of Christ takes time to develop. It may take time for us to develop the patience of Christ also. So be patient. And so we see new Christian believers who are impatient for Jesus to return. But those saints who are mature, we recognize that Jesus is probably waiting until the gospel has spread to everyone who will possibly receive it. And that scripture tells us also that a thousand years is like a day to God. Jesus spoke directly of end times one day when his disciples and him were sitting up on the hill looking down at the great temple. Some of his disciples were remarking about how beautiful the temple was, adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. That temple of God, ah, it was a wonder. It was built by Herod the Great. It took 40 years to build. It was a marvelous structure with blindingly white limestone blocks that were adorned with gold and silver and gemstones. It glittered in the bright sunlight of a clear spring day. And the disciples, they were impressed with the building. Yet Jesus the Christ, who had existed since the beginning of time, he wasn't impressed with a mere building. Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left upon another. Every one of them will be thrown down. It was a shocking statement to men who worked with pick and shovel, who had never conceived of bulldozers and explosives and had never seen the work of an army of Roman slaves in action. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And when, what will be the sign that they're about to take place? After all, if even the temple of God can be destroyed, that's scary. Of course, go back to the year 2001. How many people thought that the two buildings, which were bigger than the Empire State Building, could be destroyed in a morning before 9-11 without the use of an atomic bomb? How many people imagined the devastation to the Pentagon before the jets were hijacked? And if those buildings, the temple, the Twin Towers, the Pentagon could be destroyed, what does that say about the ability of evil people to destroy our homes and our families and our lives? Jesus has an interesting response to this. They want, the, the disciples want to know when this is going to happen, but Jesus doesn't answer that way. He doesn't go immediately into a timetable. Instead, he turns to a warning about false prophets. He replied, Watch out that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Throughout history, there have been men who have claimed to be the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God returned. 
Men throughout Europe followed Napoleon as though he were the great Messiah who led Europeans in revolt against their kings. In South America, a few years later, men followed Simon Bolivar to liberate the continent from the Spanish. Lenin was worshipped in Russia and other countries. Hitler was worshipped in Germany. Mussolini was worshipped in Italy. Mao Zedong was and still is worshipped in China. And Putin is becoming worshipped in Russia. Just the other day, I saw where a man has published a book, and this is a serious book and not a satire, claiming that Donald Trump is the son of man, the Christ. That's the title. Do President Donald J. Trump, the son of man, the Christ. You can buy it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. My friends, this writer is either trying to make a quick dollar or he is sadly deluded because no man alive now is the Christ. The words of Jesus are very clear. Watch out that you're not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. Jesus went on and he talked about things that happen a little bit more commonly. When you hear of wars and uprisings, don't be frightened, he said. These things have to happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then he said to them that nation must rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Maybe he was talking about the Jewish nation rising against the Romans, or maybe he wasn't. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences, in other words, diseases and pandemics in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. It sounds like the last 20 years, right? But you know, it also sounds like the years from 1906 to 1920, 100 years ago, when the great San Francisco earthquake was followed by an appearance of Halley's Comet in the sky, by the Chinese Civil War, the Balkan Wars, World War I, and the Spanish flu epidemic, which actually led the world population to decline because of so many deaths during that time. Or to students of European history, you can go back another hundred years, the year 1790 to 1815 when the French Revolution eventually brought Napoleon to power and plunged Europe into a generation-long war where more soldiers died from famine and disease than from bullets. While well, after the appearance of a great comet during that time, the largest earthquake to hit middle America hit Missouri in 1811, and it even caused the Mississippi River to flow backwards for a while. Or go back another hundred years. The early 1600s when the Thirty Years' War between the Protestant and Catholic countries in Europe depopulated much of Germany because the soldiers stole all the food and brought disease and so many people died. Wars happen. Earthquakes happen. Comets appear. Famine happens and diseases have epidemics. In fact, they've happened throughout time. As much as we may desire the immediate second coming of Christ, just like the first disciples did, we need to remember that according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, everyone will be surprised by Jesus' return. He said, now brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. He may not come back for another thousand years, or he might show up in a few minutes. We don't know. 
And we should not fear Christ's return. For that's when those who are still living will be joined with the dead in Christ to see Jesus in the flesh. But Jesus told us something very specific which tells me that the sound of the last trumpet is still in the future. After speaking of the wars and the famines and the diseases and the signs in the heavens, Jesus says, but before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will haul you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you'll be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. It should be noted here that the original meaning of the word synagogue was not limited to a Jewish worship house, but it meant a place of assembly, and thus the meaning of Jesus' words might be they will hand you over to churches or theaters or meeting halls and put you in prison. Or it might literally mean synagogues in the modern sense of the word. But in any event, in America and Europe, We Christians are not persecuted because of Jesus, for there is little p persecution. That's where someone makes fun of a Christian or a preacher in the same way someone might make fun of someone who is short or fat or talks in a strange accent. But there is also big p persecution where it's become a crime to be a Christian. In any event... Jesus tells us not even to worry about big P persecution, but to look at it as an opportunity to spread the gospel. Jesus said that when we're arrested for being Christian, and so you will bear testimony to me, he said. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you defend yourselves. He says, I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You'll be baptized. You'll be betrayed, even by your parents, your brothers and sisters, your relatives and friends, and they'll put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, Jesus says, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. And I suspect that what Jesus is saying here is that if we stand firm, we will win eternal life which is the only life that truly matters. So don't be worried about the normal things that excite everyone else. Wars and famines, pandemics, even signs in the sky and unusual events. Live your life by trying to imitate Jesus in everything. Our actions, our love for others, even our enemies, our private behavior, Speak to others about what Jesus has done for you. Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians 1, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy, they're busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. You see, at the time, at the time of Paul, There were people who were coming to know Christ who said, if Jesus is returning in the next week or so, why should I work on my farm? Paul said, settle down, earn the food you eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Let me sum this up in the advice I've given my own children. We don't know when Jesus will return, and we don't know 
know if civilization will continue as it has been or will collapse. So plan for three futures. First of all, maybe the world will continue as it has. If you're young, get a good education. Of all ages, you should work hard at being the best you can at your profession, whether you're a doctor or whether you keep children for a living, whether you're a farmer or whether you're a truck driver, it doesn't matter. Work to be the best you can in your profession because that honors God. Second, maybe civilization will collapse. Maybe there'll be a great disaster locally or it'll be widespread or, or there may be a civil war. Well, know how to grow a garden, how to fish, how to hunt. Know how to be a West Virginian, in other words. Know how to can food. Be alert. Keep an emergency supply of food and water and medicines, vitamins. Not a crazy amount, but do be able to live for a couple of weeks or a month without going to the supermarket. A couple years ago, I told my group that they were going to have to get locked down probably for 60 days. That was two weeks before the actual lockdown came. Make sure you can stand another lockdown in case something comes out of nowhere. Third, the third future is Jesus returns soon. If so, be sure that you're following him so closely as your Savior and be glad and proud to share your joy about Jesus with everyone you meet. And so we go back to a promise that was first given in Isaiah 65, 800 years before Jesus. Listen. God says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child, and the one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them, they will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. It takes a long time for a vineyard to produce. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as in the, times of a for as in the days of a tree, so will the days of my people, my chosen ones, will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. When they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. You know today if that happens, you usually have to replace the lamb, don't you? But the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. And I hope that one day I will see you all there. Amen. So let's trust in the Lord. Trust in Him that He will come back one day. But don't try to predict when it will be. Just assume it could be any time or it could be a long time. 
So let's sing Only Trust Him, number Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life. <laughs>